große Gnade und Frieden in den Namen der Heilige Vater und den Namen den Herrn Jesus Christus. Grace to you and peace in the name of God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ from the church in Stuttgart, Germany. It is truly my pleasure to be here with you again among friends, among folks that have been praying for me, for my wife and my boys, for my church and for the lost in our city. It is truly a pleasure. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open with me to the prophecy of Ezekiel, to chapter 37. We'll study together verses 1 through 6. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 6. Thus saith the Lord, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause my spirit to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. More to be desired than gold even much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb is the law of the Lord. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, take your word as the sword of the Spirit and plunge it deeply into us that our hearts may be pierced with its truth. Lord, use it to cut away and to convict us. O Lord, may it be Your hand upon us as You rule and reign as King of all. O Lord, bring us into submission to Your commands. O Lord, make us a profitable people carved into the likeness of Your Holy Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Friends, I wonder if you know this passage. I can remember being a young kid in church and hearing my grandfather, a deacon in the Southern Baptist Church I grew up in, reading this before the pastor came to preach it, and just how startling it was, in fact, how terrifying it was to hear the Word of God described with such pictographic detail, a valley of dry bones, 
In fact, something like the valley of the shadow of death. And I can recall just sitting and squirming and trembling at the thought of it. We come to the passage and we may wonder, you know, what's going on here? Is this some sort of passage about the physical resurrection? I want to submit to you this morning, I don't think it's about physical resurrection. I also want to tell you, I don't think it's about the end times. You see, this passage has context, and naturally its context would be, well, chapter 36 that immediately precedes it, and the promise of God to a people who were in captivity in Babylon by a river named Kevar. And what's the promise of God in chapter 36, verses 22 through 26? It is the giving of His Spirit, the indwelling of God in the hearts of the people of God that they might live. And so I want to submit to you that this is a prophecy for spiritually tired people, Spiritually dead people. People who have the promises of God, yet haven't the mirth of true devotion. It's God's word for the sake of Babylonian captives. It's also God's word for tired and hopeless Christians today. This is God's word for missions. And it is a promise for the salvation of the lost. And so in verse 2, verses 1 and 2, excuse me, I want you to see the terrible reality The terrible reality, verses 1 and 2. In verse 3, I want you to see a profound question. A profound question. In verses 4 through 6, a prophesied promise. A prophesied promise, verses 4 through 6. Verse 1, we read, The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And as you read this, you know that this book is a book of prophecy. And it may not be all that shocking that a prophet would describe his experience with this God, the living God, as his hand is upon him. But this isn't just sort of a night vision, is it? No, this is almost a night journey. This is experiential. And as we read a moment ago, the language is visceral. You could almost feel it. And you can feel the emotion of the prophet as he describes his experience of what is going on all around. You see, it's not just any valley, but it's described in verse 1 as being filled with bones. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you have disturbed sleep, but if you're anything like me, maybe you do. Maybe occasionally. Some of the kids, maybe even some of the adults, have terrifying dreams and scary dreams. Well, this is not a dream I want to have. I don't know about you, but the Lord spiritually taking me out and dropping me down into the midst of a valley filled with bones, not only any sort of bones, but very dry bones, well, it would be disturbing. And so it was for Ezekiel. You can hear him in verse 2, as the Lord leads him around, like by the hand, as it were, He says, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And then the language of surprise again. And behold, they were very dry. And so we're getting a bit more of the picture. And put yourself in the shoes of the prophet. It looks as if a battle has been waged. But this wasn't a recent battle. Of course not. Yet it was catastrophic. 
These are not bodies laying here or there. These are not even desiccated mummies of a sort. No, they're dismembered bones, piles and piles of bones, a stack of skulls, a smattering of teeth, a couple vertebrae, a patella here and there to be kicked about like a ball, a femur, ribs to be crunched underfoot. That's the picture, that's the experience of the prophet, and he's going, and behold... And behold, you should hear the tremble of a frightened voice in the language of the text of Scripture here. And when we come and we read this sort of thing, we are tempted to ask, you know, what's the point? Is this some little house of horrors that the Lord is intending for the prophet to experience? This doesn't seem all that kind. It just seems, well, kind of quirky, maybe even a bit cruel. Who wants to be you know, engaged in something like this. This isn't even as nice as going through a cemetery. No, no, this is terrifying. Well, friends, I want to tell you that it is shocking. It is frightening. The Lord intended him to see this with eyes wide open as a vision because he's trying to get his attention. He's trying to show this prophet the state of the people under his care. One thing I want you to understand when you hear of biblical prophets, or maybe you have a conception of what a prophet is, oftentimes you probably think of some emaciated ascetic in some cave somewhere under a tree spouting out strange things. And we do have the account of John in his cave, of course, with uh, the last book of the Bible, uh, the apocalypse being revealed unto him. This prophet's a pastor. He's a shepherd of God's people. He's there by the river Kevar where God's people are congregated. He's a preacher. That's how you need to understand him. And his prophetic work, yes, it comes by direct inspiration from God. However, this is preached. People heard it. This is not simply something that he took and internalized as a future prophecy that he had no understanding of. No, this bore weight in his heart and in the people of Israel by the river under the Babylonians. So again, what's going on here? Why is he showing them this? Well, it's because he wants to display to him the terrible reality of the spiritual state of Israel. The terrible reality of the spiritual state of Israel. They are not sick. They are not sinful and wandering. They're dead. That's the depiction. These aren't foreign bones, but ones very near. These are the household of Israel. That's what you would read if you continue to go forth. This is the the valley that's filled with the bones of the elect that will stand on feet. And he is saying to him, look at their state. Open your eyes. Wake up, Ezekiel, you preacher, you pastor of the people of God. This is the soul of the people. It's dark, it's cold, it's dry. It's long bereft of spiritual life. Look at this. This is what you have on your hands. And so, friends, you may ask the question, well, Pastor, that's all good, but we're so far removed from this. How can this meet us? Well, I think we have to be confronted just as he was 
that oftentimes we get very, very comfortable in Babylon. We get so comfortable that while we're by the river with its flowing water, all the wealth and benefits of a prosperous nation, we can imagine that people are living when they're dead. Whenever things that are not as spiritually we would imagine, we think, oh sure, look around, they say the right things, they dress the right way, they're going to the right places, but the, the thing of it is, is that the heart is not impaired. The heart is not simply cold. The heart's gone. The heart is gone, and it's a testimony to him to shout into the ears of the prophet, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. This is the state of affairs. Paul echoes this in the New Testament. Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Friends, we need to have this held out to us. Why don't you share the gospel more often? It's because I believe that you struggle with the same thing I struggle with. That we look around and we live in the world and we can convince ourselves things aren't as dire as they seem. I think that's why the church today is an urgent for the souls of the lost. Why our mouths aren't worn out from evangelism. Because we think everybody's really okay. They're all fine. I mean, we disagree politically, but really they're all right. They're a citizen of our town, our nation. They're my friend, my neighbor, this, that, or the other. But if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the state of their souls is death, and that is their eternal destiny. Death, pain, torment. We need to wake up, friends. We need to see the valley of dry bones. And we need to have the word of God on our tongue so that dead ears will hear. As we go forward in the passage, what we read in verse 3 is this profound question. And it really and truly is. The Lord says to him, verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? Okay, now, that's the question. It's profoundly simple, but it is profoundly important. And I would say, what a question this is, really. It's, it's not just a question of simplicity. It's a question that has context, doesn't it? Put yourself in the shoes of the prophet. Where is he? He's in the Valley of Dry Bones. He's kicking around. He can hear the clicking, the clanking, the cracking, the popping. And he can't even count who it is that could be there. Later on, whenever the bones become uh, animated, bone coming to bone, it's such a spectacle if you look forward. But really, he's there in the midst of it. And I think if there's an honest answer, at least if it's me or you, that I'd have to say, well, Lord, can these bones live? Ah, uh, they did once, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, but if the eye sees things rightly, Lord, I mean, these aren't sick folks. Uh, these aren't freshly interred corpses. No, these are ages decayed, ages dried and lifeless. 
into the mind and the natural heart of a person to see this sort of state, you would simply think and want to answer, Lord, no amount of blood transfusions or organ transplants or defibrillator shocks could possibly revive them. Nothing's really going to do any sort of good. That's maybe how I would answer. I mean, think on it. Go to the local cemetery and me challenge you. Anybody going to hop up out of that grave there to your left, to your right? What do you think? Can we do anything for her? Is life support going to be effective? You'd say, no, they're dead. Of course not. But is that how the prophet answers? No, it's not. It's not at all. You see, we would have hopeless despair. We fall into it, don't we, I think? I think if we really consider the state of people, we consider the spiritual deadness, maybe of a family member or a friend or a co-worker, or maybe even the state of society, we've seen the terrible reality. And then we draw back and we say, where's the hope? It's hopeless, right? How can it ever be? We're heading towards Thanksgiving. How many of you are going to have family members at your, at your table and you think, you know, I've shared the gospel with them ten times. They were raised in the church. They were baptized they were even catechized in Presbyterian. They were really solid folk, and now they deny Christ. I don't know if there's any hope. Do you feel that hopeless, hopelessness after seeing the terrible state? Well, look at Ezekiel's con, uh, his comment, his response. I love his answer. He's really careful. I think the reason he's careful is, is it's not just that the context is dry bones, but he's being led around by the hand of God, the Lord of life. He says to the Lord, in answer, O oh Lord God, you know. O oh Lord God, you know. And you could pass over this and take it as a simple gloss, but I, I want to encourage you not to. Almost to hear the fear of the Lord in His voice and, and the faith, really. He's trembling. He has no idea how it can happen. He's like what I just said. It doesn't seem like anything I could do could help. But he sees the Lord in his power. He sees the Lord in his might and in his compassion. Oh, Lord, you know. It's as if he said, you can do anything you want, oh, God. Anything that pleases you. This is up to you, oh, Lord. And if it is up to you, it will be your doing. And friends, we need to be confronted with that when we think of the state of our society. All the political commentary, all of the waywardness, all of the sin, all of the spitting of venom and hatred and the state of the church today as we read about things, the state of evangelism today, the state of the next generation today, the state of a family member and the despair that we can feel. We must never find ourselves with feet only in the valley of dry bones, but next to the God who gives life. You can never just look at their deadness. You always have an eye and an ear to the Lord of glory, O Christian. Your answer must always be nothing less. No, Lord, you know. You can do whatever you please. Blasphemers. Our God can change the hardest heart. He can give life to dead, dry bones. He can melt a heart of stone. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't be hopeless. And in verses 4 through 6, we see the response of God to the prophet. And I think it's just wonderful. So look at it with me. Verses 4 through 6. Then he, that is the Lord, said to me, 
prophesy over these bones and say to them this. Again, I want to touch upon what he's saying regarding prophesy. Now, at times you may hear something like this and think, well, pastor, if you're going to apply it to me, I'm not a prophet. Well, I want to tell you that this is really something that ought to be understood in the language of preaching. Because the Lord's not calling him to do anything all that spectacular, but to just simply repeat his words to dead bones. To just hold the word of God in his mouth and to speak it forward as he is a mouthpiece for the Lord of glory. And I also want to tell you that this ought not make you to say simply this. Well, pastor, I'm a high school student. I'm a mom. I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm too old for this sort of thing. Whoever, this, that, or the other. I'm not a preacher. Not like one of these two very well-gifted brothers here. How could I do that? You're overthinking it. Just hold the word of God on your tongue. Just speak it out. Just be a mouthpiece for the Lord. Because the Lord, when he tells the prophet here, you may have heard me pronounce it like this, prophesy. He's commanding him. It's an imperative. It's not. So there's the commission to prophesy. But I want you to hear the message of promise that he tells him to speak. Say to them, this is in verse 4, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath or my spirit to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews on you, I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Well, that's a wonderful message, isn't it? It is the message of life, to put it into very simple terms. Of course, it's very uh, visceral, it, it lays before you kind of the way he's going to reconstruct and revivify and give life to the bones and the body there. It's, uh, well, something I think will be sort of terrifying to see, kind of horror movie-esque. It happens, the prophet sees it once he preaches and does prophesy, bringing forth the word of God. But I want you to see this in its parts. Verse 5, behold, I will cause. Whose work is it? It's God's work. It's God's work. It's not, behold, my prophet will do the work. Behold, my prophet has spoken. No, behold, I, the Lord... The Lord will cause, and those, these are the three things that he goes over. A restoration, a reviving, and a regeneration. He restores the bones to stand on feet. He revives them with a body, and he regenerates with a heart. It's the whole thing. It's a body that's necessary, the Spirit of God within it, and the breath of life. And the knowledge of God. You will know that I am the Lord. This is a wonderful promise. You may say, well, pastor, it seems kind of simple. A lot like a John 3.16 type of passage, isn't it? And I say, yes, absolutely. Don't look past the one who holds the power within the promise. It remains God. How does that meet you? How does this meet you where you are in Buford and in your life? Well, it meets you this way. You can share the word of God and go to sleep without a single batting of an eyelash. Did you do a good enough job? Were you convincing enough? Was your apologetic method good or poor? 
You can share the Word of God and leave it on the hearts of men, women, and children that dead ears may hear and know that He can do what He wants. But it's not only that He can do what He wants, that He can do what He wills. Do you see this? It's not only that He has power, but that He has compassion. And He has promised to do it. What's He promised to bless? The simple evangelization of the lost with His Word pronounced. How can they believe if they have not heard? How can they hear if no one is preaching? How can they preach unless they are sent? Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's not complex. Missions is not a puzzle. It's not every other thing. It is the preaching and the sharing of the Word of God. It's not quiet times of study in coffee shops or the kicking of soccer balls. It is the preaching of the Word. There are lots of things that can happen in missions that are wonderful, but the thing effective, lasting, and living is the Word of God shared, and every single one of you can do it. The oldest to the youngest in every profession, you can do it. Even if you're deaf and mute, you can do it with the gift of sign language. You can do this, and you can know that God has promised to bless it. He blesses it with the giving of life, or He blesses it with conviction that is rejected. Nonetheless, He blesses it. So Christian, don't be scared of the bones. Don't be scared of the bones. Don't be scared of the dark day. Have faith in the God. And that you are not silent, that in 66 books, O Lord, you speak and the earth trembles. Father, we ask that you would help us to be a people who would live after Christ and walk amongst a dead and a dying world proclaiming life and liberty and righteousness for the sake that all might live. Father, I pray for First Scott's Presbyterian Church. Lord, may my brothers and sisters be awesome tools in your hands. Lord, loose their tongues. Oh Lord, may their prayers be like a sharp bolt up to heaven. Oh Lord, may they pray down the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would move here and amongst these people in this community. Lord, that the low country might be on fire for Christ. Oh Lord, that you would come upon South Carolina, Georgia. Oh Father, that you come across Alabama and Mississippi, across the whole of the country. Oh, Lord, that you would reap a harvest and gather your sheep. Oh, Lord, that you would display the glory of your holy and eternal Son. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hands.